Welcome to the Kaufman Connect. As you can see, uh, Chief Freitag is uh, not here today. He's taken a break from the uh, controversial podcast that he has been producing for the last couple of weeks, and he has allowed us to come in and uh, interview a special guest and friend of mine, Colin Field. So uh, we're going to bring it down a notch from the last couple of weeks and have a good conversation about uh, your experiences in the Mighty Oaks. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you bet. Well, um, you know, kind of the reason, you know, obviously we have you in the day, you're here going to speak um, for our folks tomorrow at an awesome event. We've kind of titled it a resiliency, you know, a resiliency event to uh, kind of encourage folks to, you know, live their best life. Mm -hmm. And um, I you know, appreciate, you know, you coming in. Obviously, you bring a lot of experience, not just from, you know, recently in the Mighty Oaks, but obviously long before that. So you uh, served in the Navy. So let's start there. All right. Yeah. Uh, my career started out enlisted in the Navy when I was 17. I served for 14 years, all of which were in the SEAL teams. I uh, spent most of my career SEAL Team 3. Um, I also worked as a private security contractor for a little while overseas. And, uh, and then again, I worked as a uh, paramedic in the state of Idaho, um, Worked for the county, worked for Life Light for about five years, and now pretty much uh, most of my efforts are devoted towards working with Mighty Oaks. Yeah. So now, obviously, m met um, you know in the process of the team leader. So you've been a team. How long have you been a team leader with the Mighty Oaks? About two years. Two years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you're kind of making the next uh, step, which I think the last uh, phase, for, I was in phase two, and you mm -hmm. were doing the team leader trainer, which right. what is the role of the team leader trainer? So, uh, in essence, train the trainer. So, uh, as we get new team leaders coming in, going through the training, then uh, it would be my job to uh, prep those guys up and teach them, hopefully, what they need to know to be successful at being a team leader. So, keep an eye on guys like me. <laughs> Perfect. No, that's good. And you kind of mentioned, um, you know, being getting into the Navy early on. Obviously, you kind of just kind of breezed right over, you know, being a Navy SEAL, obviously, you know, folks outside looking in <laughs> takes a little bit to accomplish that. So how you said you did it pretty quickly. How did that experience go? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. So I went, I went straight through the pipeline. Uh, it's a little bit different now, but back when I went through, uh, it was uh, boot camp, and then I went off to my A school, which was Corman a school. And then uh, I got orders to go to buds, uh, basic underwater, underwater demolition seal training in Coronado. Uh, after graduating buds, was off to jump school for me and then to SQT, which is SEAL qualification training. And then as a medic, once I graduated SEAL qualification training, I went to Fort Bragg and did the uh, Army SOCOM course, Special Operations Combat Medic course, and then finally landed at SEAL Team 3. Nice. And explain, I guess, you know, I've never understood the different teams, what the different roles are for the different teams. You sure. SEAL Team 3, what are some of the different roles those teams play, I guess. So, um, they used to, um, back once upon a time, then each team used to be designated a specific AO area of operation. Um, and I think it was right around the year 2001, they started, uh, implementing force 21. So essentially what it used to be is one team would deploy two platoons at a time. And so okay. it would just be this constant revolving process of, uh, these platoons from, uh, SEAL team deploying to their set AO that they would train for. And so now with the Force 21, uh, 
it's not that recent, I guess about 20 years old now, but, uh, but about 20 years ago, then, uh, it's changed where, uh, the team will deploy the entire team at one time and they'll cover Mm -hmm. down, um, on pretty much anywhere in the world that needs to be. So, uh, certain, the coasts kind of depend on what, like whether you're East or West coast seal will depend on certain areas you deploy to. They still kind of maintain that a little bit, but But pretty much they're interchangeable now where um, one SEAL team is, is pretty much they, – whereas they used to have their own identities before, uh, they're pretty interchangeable yeah, now. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. And then as far as uh, – what was the year you got in, you said? Uh, I got in in 2000. 2000, yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you had uh, 2000, you know, uh, 9-11. What yeah. changed after that? Quite a bit. Um, so I was actually in buds when nine 11 happened. Okay. Uh, and I, I can remember the day that it happened and, uh, we obviously weren't watching TV or anything like that. I yeah. wasn't able to see it unfold. I do remember one of the guys coming out, we were having our morning muster and said, somebody bombed the world trade center. And I didn't think anything big of it. I said, what sure. again? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Didn't expect much to change <laughs> with that. Uh, yeah, a lot did change yeah. starting immediately. Um, you know, they shut the base down, of course, and everything. Um, uh, one thing I do remember is the days after 9-11 was probably the worst I ever got beaten, buds, because yeah. the instructors all wanted to leave. They all wanted to go back to the team to deploy. Yeah. And, uh, of course, they couldn't allow that. They still had to yeah. have instructors. So <laughs> they were pretty ticked off realizing that we were going to be deploying before them. So oh, wow. they, they let us know that. <laughs> so they hammered us pretty good. Um, but, yeah, of course, uh, it changed from uh, from peacetime to wartime immediately where, you know, the, the teams being what they are, um, we would still experience some combat even in peacetime, but nothing like yeah. what was coming up where um, – really the last time that the teams had seen anything like that was Vietnam. And so it was, you know, prior to that, everyone looking to that Vietnam era of frogman of what they did in Vietnam and, and just almost idolizing that and, and looking up to those guys for that. And so now we were kind of picking up the mantle and and carrying it forth from there. And so we were having some, uh, you know, every deployment was, was tough and, yeah. And uh, in the thick of it for for a long period of time. Yeah. So uh, how many? Um, obviously, you go through deal with the nine eleven. You get through buds. What was like? How many deployments? You know, did you do fourteen mm-hmm. years? I think you said. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that look like over that fourteen years? Yeah, altogether, I made nine deployments. Okay. Um, so my deployments were uh, to to uh, the Pacific Theater, Southeast Asia. I did one to Iraq and six to Afghanistan um, over the years. And so, yeah, uh, stopped deploying in uh, 2014 Yeah, was the last, last one. one yeah. mm-hmm. And then I think you mentioned it. You didn't spend some time as a contractor, mm-hmm. you know, following that. How much time did you spend, you know, after, the, after you started doing that contract work? What did that look like? Uh, so contractor work was, was interesting. Uh, you know, still back in the fight, so to speak. We're uh, just a lot different capacity, um, whereas before almost trying to pick a fight on deployments every time we go out the <laughs> yeah. door, yep. now quite the opposite. Like, I don't want to fight because I don't yep. have the entire weight of the U.S. Uh, military behind me. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, it was definitely a different uh, approach to things. Uh, I did enjoy it. it. 
you know, kept me working with similar guys that I was working with before sure. is familiar work. It was real easy to transition into. Obviously the money is quite good doing yep. stuff like I think that. There's a name for that. Con- <laughs> contractor. Contractor rich. rich. Yeah, yep. Nice. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I got to experience that for a little nice. bit. Wasn't too smart with my money back then. Uh, you know, it, you just think it's just going to keep coming that way. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, it eventually stops. Uh, but you know, I enjoyed doing that while I did it. Um, but eventually hit a point in my career, um, where I realized that, uh, I just wasn't able to continue, uh, doing the job that I wanted to do anymore. Mentally, I was, I was not prepared to continue to keep deploying that I, um, I, I had to take myself out of the game. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, Similar story, I think it has come from a few different folks that we you know we've we've seen. And obviously, it takes a level of intensity. Mm-hmm. You have to maintain that level of intensity mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, and obviously that that uh, is a challenge as you continue yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to make you tell too many stories, but there is one story I think you need to highlight because mm-hmm. you shared it. I think when I was in Ohio, mm-hmm. but uh, there was uh, you know you'll have to do it better. But where those two tanks kind of prevented the, the group coming <laughs> in, so. Yeah, that, I just like that because it rem- yeah. it sounded to me more like something that would happen in um, like a Call of Duty or something like that. But you got to give <laughs> yeah, me that. You yeah. got to give a little bit of that. Yeah. Story. So um, we were uh, operating in Iraq, and it was in a Marine Corps battle space. So re- whenever you deploy to a war zone, the battle space is owned by either Marine Corps or Army. We never owned our own battle space. We're just too small for that. So we were operating within a Marine Corps battle space and we were developing our own intelligence and and operating on it. But we started doing this information sharing with the Marine Corps where um, they would give us intelligence, we'd give them some of our intelligence. And and it was kind of this joint sharing of information to help everyone out. Uh, We had just recently started sharing our information with these guys. and we had intel that there was going to be a large attack on an Iraqi army uh, forward operating base. So there had been precedent to this. Um, I think it was about two or three months prior to this happening. There was a large attack on a Iraqi army base and they almost overran it. It was very close. Um, there was a few Americans that died in that attack and a lot of uh, Iraqi army that did. And so we had the intel that they were going to be basically repeating that on a different base. And so uh, we decided that we were going to, we we're going to kind of cut them off at the pass that we were going to sneak into this Iraqi army base in the middle of the night. And so when they think they're attacking a bunch of Iraqis, there'd be a seal <laughs> platoon armed to the teeth, ready to go ahead and uh, take them down. So we were, we were armed and ready. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was, it was going to be a pretty, uh, pretty cakewalk for us to be honest, <laughs> but we were ready for them. And, uh, just prior to it, then we actually had, um, a bird overhead that, that let us know that there was a large gathering of men at the local mosque that was just down the road from us. Um, and saying basically, yes, yeah. this is on, this is about to happen. So we're getting kind of ready for this to happen. And as I said, we were sharing intelligence with the Marines. So they decided the best course of action was since it turned out so poorly last time was we were going to stop it. So they ended up parking two Abram tanks in front of the fob. <laughs> and when those guys saw that, they're like, no, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> so they turned around and walked the other way. And uh, we were kind of bummed out about it. Like, oh man, this is our opportunity. <laughs> we had a great ambush set for him, but uh, 
it didn't end up working out for us. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because you, you said it. Obviously, here the, the base is going to be attacked, and you guys were looking for that fight. Yep, <laughs> you, that's you right. You were putting yourself there <laughs> yeah. for that fight. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, in your mind, that did, fight didn't come. <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> Obviously, there was plenty of other fights, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I just remember hearing that and all the, the stuff that you guys had brought in there was yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, so let's, you know, obviously fast forward a little bit. I mean, you had those experiences, you're, mm-hmm. you're dealing with all that stuff. You, you do the contractor work, you come back, um, you know, a big part of, you know, your story is the, the mighty Oaks. What, um, what got you to the mighty Oaks? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, so I had a, a friend of mine that I had served with at team three. We did a number of deployments together, probably my best friend from the teams that, he had went through Mighty Oaks, and um, when he when he finished it up, then he gave me a call and said, "Hey, I think this is something that you need to do. Yeah. You need to go out there and and go to this." And I remember thinking, "Like, man, there is no way I'm ever going to some <laughs> Christian retreat. You know, going to sit around the campfire and sing yep. Kumbaya. That's yep. not me, man. Never." Yep. I told him, "Sure, I'll look into it with no intention. Pl- yeah, no intention whatsoever of ever doing so." Um, so. Uh, fast forward about a year from that and, uh, my life was really spiraling out of control. Um, things were going sideways quick. I had, uh, gotten involved heavily into alcohol, um, had some run-ins with law enforcement and, uh, my wife was at her wits end with me. She didn't know what to do. Um, and, uh, she was, she was done to be honest and rightfully so. Uh, so I remember, I was trying to grasp at straws to keep her to stay around. And at this point in my life, I was still not willing to admit that there was any problem. Yep. I never, I, I never thought that there was, uh, at that point. And so I, I remember pulling that out of the Rolodex, you know, as I'm talking to my wife, like, Hey, I can throw this hail Mary pass. Like I'm yep. going to try and do something good churchy, whatever. It's going to yep. make it look like I'm at least trying Maybe that'll keep her around for a little bit longer. So she, uh, I tell her about that and, uh, she says, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. She's not, you know, she's not really expecting much of it either. And so I, when I went, I, I was not expecting any kind of change to take place Mm -hmm. when I went there. Um, but little did I know there was, there was a lot at work when I got there, um, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more on that tomorrow when yeah. when I get awesome. to talk. Yeah. But Perfect. yeah, there was a lot at work that once I got there, that um, just amazing things yeah. started happening. No, that's awesome. And I think you know one of the things you mentioned um, as we were actually you know driving here was you know Mighty Oak started for veterans, obviously mm-hmm. trying to reduce right. you know veteran suicide. Yep. And uh, looking at, you know, obviously the treatment for veterans, and we've seen it the first responder, we have a big veteran community in this area, right. um, medications, you know, if you have whatever ailment you have, you have these medications. And I remember going from the first time I started, which I started in my career in, you know, 2002. And so you're already starting to see, you know, some of the folks returning at that point and some of the ramifications of war among mm-hmm. those veterans. And I remember I learned really quick, you don't ask a veteran like what medication they're on. <laughs> you ask for their box yeah. and they would come yeah. with a box of medications and you mm-hmm. sit there and go over them with them. Like, okay, why are you on this one? Like, yeah. I have no idea. Right. Why this one? No idea. Mm-hmm. And that was the treatment. Right. So obviously the Mighty Oaks was kind of a different approach. Um, it, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, it's a faith-based approach to that spiritual component, to that, mm-hmm. uh, that strength and that pillar. But, uh, you know, that was... 
the goal. They've expanded that now to include law enforcement, first responders. Right. And we've seen, you know, our area has seen, you know, our own trauma, even just recently with the suicides in both the local police department, local fire department. We see that same challenge. And this we're not unique. That's mm-hmm. happening all across the country. Absolutely. And uh, obviously the Mighty Oaks has expanded that, that right. role and to include those first responders. Now, I guess kind of share a little bit of what, you know, being a team leader in the, the Mighty Oaks last several years, what you've seen on the first responder side and some of the the apprehension, I guess, mm. is what mm-hmm. we we're kind of discussing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed, uh, you know, I've, I've one tried to talk guys into going that are first responders. I, you know, worked as one for five years as a paramedic. Um, and so I got a lot of friends that are in that arena and, and I can recognize when some guys, you know, could benefit from something like that. And, uh, they, they look at it as, I think that we've done a lot of work towards, kind of dismantling that stigma of PTSD within the veteran community. Um, They've done a lot of good work there, um, but that has not taken place among the first responders. Um, And for whatever reason, they think that, well, I haven't been in some foreign combat zone. I don't warrant this, you know, or I shouldn't have this. And that's just couldn't be further from the truth. And um, even when guys show up that are first responders, they still – are battling with those issues when they show yep. up that I shouldn't be here. I'm taking someone else's seat. I, I don't deserve to have even have these feelings that I'm having, which is it's completely false. Yeah. Um, and I always talk to those guys at the end of the week and, and they agree like, Oh, I actually do deserve to be here. And, <laughs> and yeah, I should, oh, be, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should yeah. be. And I'm glad that I, I, yeah. I've not met a single person yet. That's like, man, that was a waste of my time. Not yeah. one. Yeah. Um, every single one of them have, have benefited in some way from a week out there at Mighty Oaks. And most of them have had huge, impactful, life-changing weeks out there, which is, it's just amazing to see. And so, yeah, if I could talk to the veteran or the first responder community, it's that, man, you get, I mean, it's trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter where it occurs at trauma is trauma. And, and if you're a first responder, it's not a matter if you, have been exposed yeah. is when yeah. y- you will yeah. be exposed to it. Yeah. And so, um, we need to, we need to start breaking down those stigmas like what we did with the veteran community. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Because I think even from my own exposure, obviously a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to do phase two, which is just, a, you know, a little bit more in terms of having to teach, but still a lot of observing, a lot of watching, which is kind of an awesome opportunity to watch folks go through the process. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think some of it is the apprehension, like, well, here I have this Navy SEAL done, you know, nine deployments, 14 years. Like, I, my experience doesn't compare to that. Like, like you said, the trauma still brings us down. We both mm-hmm. end up in a similar spot right. for different reasons. Right. And uh, it is interesting to watch. Like this last time, I know several times um, guys talked about, you know, the masks. And you walk in with that mask. And I remember even mm-hmm. Kevin, who's obviously the, the leader of that of the, mm-hmm. the week, he had said, you know, it takes a little while for that mask to come down, especially for folks that are currently employed. Right. And uh, what is interesting when that mask come down, though, because mm-hmm. I can use, you know, think of a couple individuals and one individual specifically, we were talking about him earlier, but I liked his testimony at the end where at the end he, he stood up there and he said, I plan to tell you how cool I was. Mm. I plan to try to tell you this experience, you know, that I had, you know, mm-hmm. that brought me to here. But like I realized like my life is a wreck, mm. you know, and I need yeah. to fix these aspects of it. And that's what, you know, the program offered to him. And right. it was interesting that mask come down where it's like you walk in, you know, with an idea like, well, I want 
I want to try to compare. I want to try to right. like show you like what I've done has got me this point. It's legitimate. Mm-hmm. It's all legitimate at that point. Yeah, right. Whatever has gotten you to exactly. that point, or even if you're not even in a, a position where you feel like, well, I'm in crisis. I didn't go there when what I felt was a crisis. I walked out of there stronger though. Right. And I adjusted my trajectory, yeah. you know, a degree, if nothing yep. else. And yeah. that, that trajectory 10 years down the road exactly. is going to be far different than it was today or would have been if had I not made that adjustment. Right. So like you say, it, I think, Anybody can benefit from it. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, the program has certainly, I think, provided a lot of, you know, opportunity in the first responder group in the same way it's done for the veteran community. Yeah, absolutely. What else, uh, I guess, as a team, you know, team leader, you've been there a couple of years now. You did quite a few um, sessions this year. How many sessions? Uh, I think 10. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one, obviously, 10 weeks out of the year you were spent there working with you know, obviously it's a men's program. There are men's and women's programs, right. Right. but obviously helping with the men's program. Right. And uh, what have you kind of seen, you know, as a, you know, maybe a common thread or just, you know, a mm. common challenge? Um, yeah. You know, you kind of mentioned the the first responder aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that feeling like I don't deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, <clears throat> I would say that, you know, kind of going along those same lines, what we were just talking about is, uh, thinking that maybe folks don't measure up because they have, I, of the number of guys that I've seen attend these programs, I could probably count the number of times on one, on one hand that the only thing that a guy was suffering from was of uh, what he dealt with in combat. Yeah. I, I would say that the vast majority is, is outside of that. Yeah. And, and yes, there are issues that are compiled, you know, sure. they pile up and stuff like that, but the vast majority is that's not the case. Yeah. It's it's normal trauma throughout life. It's people dealing with difficult childhoods, yeah. difficult marriages, um, and so um, you know we. It's been focused mostly on on combat trauma with veterans, yes, but there is so much more that we yeah. deal with. That there's so many guys that come through that it and and trauma isn't even their main issue. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, we all have different things that we struggle with through life. Um, and like you said, some guys are just there for, for a, a quick tune up. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had guys that were, you know, like a full blown pastor coming in, yeah. being on my team. And I'm like, man, what am I going to be able to teach <laughs> what am this I, guy? Like, yeah, yeah, like, he's yeah. obviously more versed in this than yeah, I am. Yeah. But sometimes it just takes that outside yep. one looking in to, to check your blind spots that you're not able to yeah, see. Like and, that, yeah. Um, and you know, they can identify some areas, even the, even the guys that are pastor can identify areas that they, they need to improve on and work on. And so I've, it's, it's been just, you know, a wide array of things that, um, that pop up while you're there. And it's just, the cool thing is, is just being able to witness and be a part of that. You know, I think when I got into EMS, the reason why I got into EMS was to help people. I wanted to, I really wanted to help people. And I think that anyone who's worked in, a, you know, police, fire, any kind of first responder job, we know those calls are very few and far between where you sure. feel like you actually made did, a difference. Yeah, did good, yeah, yeah. And I was actually just talking to my buddy this morning who's in EMS, and I was like, you know, every time I go to Mighty Oaks, I feel like I just got that call. Yeah. And so that's that's a huge difference. No, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think there's a, a lot of folks being influenced. We've had, a, you know, several people from our own department that have had to attend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, like you say, I don't think anybody feels that they walk away that it hasn't been impactful for them, regardless of what they take from it. Um, that impact is there. And I think, yeah. um, 
you know, I, again, it's the value of it. I think it's the value of coming along some side of somebody else that has shared in a similar challenge because right. you never know who that person is. Sometimes you see it's the the, the groups within the, the the attendees that you know create a bond, yeah. create a relationship, right. and are helping. But I think it's like anything else. You know, the, the shirt says it, you know, no one fights alone or right. you know, never fight alone. And I think that's the, the goal is never fight alone and understand that you are not alone in your in your battle and your Absolutely. struggle. Whatever it is, whatever's Absolutely. gotten you into that point, you're not alone. So, yeah, I used to battle with that same thought process of nobody, nobody knows what I've been through. Yeah. Nobody can relate to what I've been through. I would I'd hold up in isolation, deal with that on my own. Nobody would would warrant hearing my story. And uh and I and that's I honestly believed it. You know, if you weren't on this deployment, or if you yes. didn't do as many deployments, or you yeah. hadn't been here, done that, and um, I so I, I would hold up and I and I would believe that lie for a long time. And the first time that I kind of had that myth shattered in front of me was when I showed up to Mighty Oaks as a student. Yeah, and I'm I'm listening to these instructors get up and share their story. And literally my words are falling out of their mouth and yeah. I'm like, what in the heck is going on here? How is this possible? Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, our, our problems are common to everyone yeah. and that that's just a lie that we, we believe to keep ourselves held up in isolation and something that yep. if, if we start actually talking it out with our brothers, you're going to find out there's a lot more in common than you thought. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think that's, that's the huge value of it is that common bond. Um, well, cool. I think uh, we'll wrap it up. I appreciate your willingness to sit here. Normally, I am the victim of this uh, the show. So thank you. You get Absolutely. to be a willing victim. I told you right at last minute, like, hey, Colin, here's what we're going to go do. And uh, you're here doing it, doing, it, doing it great, doing better than I do on that side. So I appreciate it. No problem. Um, with that, obviously, tomorrow... This, this won't be shown, so we already have done done the the, the program, but obviously you've, you've come here, you're going to provide, uh, two, we're doing two sessions, morning and afternoon, obviously sharing your story, sharing the experience. This is just kind of a little snippet of, uh, you know, kind of what obviously you're going to be sharing tomorrow, much more in depth, which will be awesome. And uh, again, we appreciate you being, being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You bet. With that, we're going to close it out. Frytag will be back next week, and I'm sure there's going to be you know, some wonderful things to talk about, uh, whether it's AMR, ambulances, um, or any of that stuff. So tune in next week for the rest of that. Until then, keep doing the work.